You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. Hello everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Peasley. Guys, guys, there's been a development. I'm sure you've all... There has been a development. I'm sure we're late to the party and you've already all heard, Well, to be fair, we weren't late to the party, we just didn't talk about it last week because there were a bunch of other stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I was definitely not late to the party because the minute I heard about it, I pre-ordered it. So... In case you haven't figured out what we're talking about, we're talking about the fact that for the first time since Eberron was brought to the world of Dungeons & Dragons, a new fan-made creation has been inducted into the Hall of Canon. It has. It is Critical Role's Wild Mount, and I guess Exandria has been added to Mm -hmm. the official Dungeons & Dragons world, so... That's going to have to be a thing at some point. Yeah. Actually, this is our announcement that we are exclusively a Critical Role cast from here on. <laughs> critical Role fan cast. You got to... <laughs> yeah, okay. You know yeah, what, yeah, we cannot be a Critical Role cast because I feel like That's the a, actual cast might will have, have a, issues with might that. Might have a problem with that. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah. But we have all been watching Critical Role for a while. Years. Yeah. Mm, not me. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll own the fact that I had only, like, I had heard of Critical Role, obviously, because, you know, I was a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, but I didn't start watching Critical Role until, like, late 2018. But before, Lu- before Lewin was watching Critical Role, she did get the Taylor recap of it. True. Yeah. And you, you guys want to know how much of it I remember? Like, None. none. There are half elves. <laughs> yeah, that was that was it. I heard half, half elf twins, twins, and I said that's all I care about officially. But yep. I have only watched like like about well at this point about a third of the second campaign, and like I really do like it. But also, we're very busy people. We have we're, a lot going on. The, it's the hard to watch are it. Four hours long, guys. But in any case... Anyway, Critical Role's great, and I'm very excited. We are all fans of Critical Role. It has been officially added to the Dungeons & Dragons world, which means... We're gonna cover it. Yeah, its lore is canon, and at some point we will cover that. Probably not anytime, like, soon, like next week or something, but it's going to happen. And also... Again, when it does, it's not like we're going to suddenly become, oh, we're only going to cover Exandria and yeah. Wild Mount stuff. It, it'll it be like it is right now, just some peppering in. Yeah, it'll yeah. be an episode. We'll talk about it if there's a part two. It'll, knowing us, probably happen way later on down the line because we'll forget and do other things. Hey. Unless it's me <clears throat> because, um, well, I hate to tell you guys this. We're starting another multi-parter this week. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
We have another multi-parter. We keep, why do we keep doing that? Honestly, it's because we, I keep, personally me, finding things that I'm like, oh, this will be a really good episode. And then I get halfway through and I'm like, oh, this will be a really neat three episodes. Yeah. That's and kind of what's happened with me now. Which, just, you guys would be proud of me. I, I have actually, like, committed internally to my like to myself, which is the most important person you can ever commit to, uh, that I am actually gonna do what I said I was gonna do last time. Like I'm actually gonna do that next week. Oh, awesome! Like I haven't I haven't done a hard pivot into something else. You know, what comes after that. What elves part two? What? <laughs> I, I have no I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyways, anyways, what what multi part uh, extravaganza have you? What path have you put yourself so, on this time? So, while I was do- like looking into a couple of things I was thinking about doing, I got to thinking about my Modrons episode. Yeah, loved it. Thank you. Still doing the math on it, but loved <laughs> I it. give up on doing the math, but... Anyways, that is the first time we've ever gone into the hierarchy of a sort of amount of, like, a sort of area of beings, basically. Yeah, it was very much... And hierarchy is very much the right word, not right. just for the way they structure their society, but also, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of upward mobility. Well, I had the thought of like, while I was doing it, that it kind of somewhat reminded me of like the infernal hierarchy. And I was thinking, oh man, that would be really cool to look at. Okay, that. Fair enough. And yeah. while I mean, it would... What? I mean, infernal hierarchy would be interesting. I'm going to assume that's not uh, what you stuck with there. Uh, while it would typically be more on brand for me to do an infernal one first, <laughs> I'm going to go over the types and hierarchy of celestial beings. Oh. So you went from infernal to celestial. I mean, yeah. that's a natural progression to me. Okay, so in part, I would say it's because it's the group I know the least about, and I wanted to know more about it. That's okay. fair. And also, yeah. I don't know maybe if, if you guys do this, and I do this a lot, like, in my, in, in like, everything else. And it's not to say that I've ever really done research on something that I didn't want to do research on, but sometimes, like, I'll elect to do something first, because I know that I'm really, really interested in something else. So yeah. then it becomes like a reward for me. So like, <laughs> I mean, literally, like I've never done research on anything I legitimately wasn't interested in. Fair. But sometimes I'm like, okay, if you do this, then you can read more about dragons. <laughs> so where's elves part two? What? Anyway. What's an elf? <laughs> so unfortunately, like I... You're probably thinking part two is going to be in- infernal. It's not. We have a lot more to get through first with just celestial. Oh, so it's not even just like celestial infernal. No, it's we're not. By the end of this episode, we will not be done with celestials. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, you know, uh, fair enough. Yeah, and to be fair, I actually don't know a whole lot about celestials either. So yeah, I probably know more about infernals than celestials. Well, and I feel like if you were also a person who had like maybe a real world mythology podcast, like you could probably spend a long time on like because I'm I'm assuming maybe that it's not directly referential to, but when I think like celestial hierarchy, I think of like the literal hierarchy of, of like, angels of like Christian angels, yeah. 
It's somewhat. Yeah, there is reminiscent of it. Uh, let's just go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's, let's do it. So, Celestials were introduced into the world of D&D in 1982 through Dragon Magazine issue number 63. Thank you, Dragon. <laughs> Ooh, Dragon Magazine. Dragon Magazine kills it every time. It does. Honestly. So, the angels featured therein, which were only called divas in this D-E-V-A-S. And I might not be pronouncing that correctly. Davis, oh, like um, divas. I've always said divas in my davas. head. Davas. I see. I've always pronounced it divas, just like a long e you sound. You know what? I wonder if Google offers me a trans uh, a pronunciation. I'm sure somewhere offers you a pronunciation. Devas. Devas. Oh, we were all wrong. Hmm. Um, hmm. Okay, so not I'm probably gonna stress the a a little sound a little bit more, just because that's how my mouth works. Or I mean, maybe they were really high maintenance and really hard to work with. Maybe they were divas. Mm-hmm. We don't know. So the angel type figures, which were like the first thing that was introduced, are called devas, and they were introduced in Dragon's featured creatures articles, which were basically. Unofficial creature releases written by Gary Gygax ahead of the 1983 release of Monster Manual 2. She did some air quotes around official. I said unofficial. Unofficial. Yeah. Yeah. See, no, I I heard you right, but my mouth didn't want to. Because he was uh, teasing. Yeah, he was like, "This is what could happen." And then a lot of them were, "What did happen?" Surprise. Uh, Issue number 64, immediately after 63, in case you can't math, because I fucked your brain up too much with the Modrons episode. Yeah, people are having, like, flashbacks to <laughs> the Modrons episode, and they're like, wait, what? Uh, released uh, the Solars and the Planetars, which are, or Planetars, actually, yeah, I'll go with Planetars, because that makes more sense, which are additional subsets just of these angels. It sounds like, they sound like dinosaurs. They kind of do. And I have actually heard of a Planetar. Like I remember reading about them very vaguely it's in just my planet-sized dinosaur research. <laughs> no, but also well, not my research, my planning, I should say. Oh, so from the get-go, devas are basically described as being angels. Devas are servants and messengers of the various deities of good alignment, and then. All devas are able to travel about the planes of good alignment, although those of lawful nature will be found doing so only when obeying some instruction from a deity, and even chaotic devas seldom journey from place to place except in service. The image of a duty-bound servant of good. Even if the pictures in Dragon Magazine didn't feature wings, you would know exactly what Gary Gygax was alluding to. Yeah, well, and also, like, Deva is, like, a real... Yeah, it's a real Deva. word. Yeah, it was, like, um... Yeah, isn't that from, uh, Hindu... I don't know if it was from... It might have been, like, some pre... I think it was Hinduism, because they were I... referenced as being, like, a Vedic thing. I don't remember for sure. It is Hindu. Okay. It is Hindu. My, my basis for knowing anything about the Devas comes from Shin Megami Tensei, so... <laughs> See, that's literally all I know about them, is that they were from some other... Yeah. Part of, like, the world that yeah. mm-hmm. they were, like, a real thing. I just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a lot of things in D&D, it, there's a real world influence. Right. It's been taken and just changed to a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. In, in certain ways. So, when a deva is killed on the prime or elemental planes, only their physical body is destroyed. Their soul goes back to their home plane, where it takes a decade to regenerate a new body. Jesus. 
Yeah. Well, I while. guess a decade to them is probably not that long. Oh, uh, it's like a snap of the fingers. It's probably nothing. Yeah, like they took a nap and they're like, hey, I'm alive again. Um, If they're killed on any other plane, though, they're, they're dead dead. Oh, kind of like um, Drake Liches. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Or like the Thrask. Yeah. Interesting. So it says, um, no deva will ever negotiate with beings or creatures of evil nature, although non-lawful devas might strike a bargain with non-evil neutrals. So they're basically a race of paladins. Well, see, you had me, and now I think you're losing me a little bit. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll, I'll get you back in. Okay. There are three types of devas. The astral deva employed in the astral and outer planes... The Mavonic Devas, employed typically in the material planes, and the Monadic Devas, employed to the ethereal and elemental planes. Okay, so three different types of Devas. Mm -hmm. That's still weird. I still want to say Diva, but I've been corrected by Google, so. (laughs) Google knows all. (laughs) Except when things are open. Yeah, we're not going there. (laughs) (laughs) Astral devas are tall, slender, and graceful. They have golden skin and hair, amber eyes, and large white wings tinted with gold. They otherwise resemble humans. Wait, I mean... Angelic. Like, very angelic. Very angelic I mean, yeah. everything that was just described is most definitely not human and doesn't leave a lot left of human feature to... Like, be imagined there. Well, it's they're, like, they're, like, it's like nose. Right, human, their anatomy is... Human features, but, like, different color palette. Yeah. So, shiny human? Oh, my. Huh. <clears throat> so. Huh. <laughs> yeah, no, tra- Travis got me back in by saying shiny human. <laughs> Mavonic devas have skin of a pale rose color. Their mm. hair is coppery red, and their eyes are a metallic coppery hue. Their wings are rosy white, and are th- they otherwise resemble humans. Are their wings described as being, like, feathery? Yes. Okay. So, they're, like, very much angel wings. Yes. They very. actually do have, like, the feathered... Flappy things. What's funny? Feathered flappy things. Feathered flappy things. <laughs> that sounds like what someone would say, like if they forget what the word wing is. <laughs> They're flappy things. They're thing. feathered flappy things. What's funny is that um, in second edition, Movanic devas are described as having dark brown hair, or sorry, dark brown skin, jet black hair, and piercing green eyes. So, kind of a stark contrast from their. Yeah. Earlier, and then yeah. they got a then they got a pastel. Yeah. Oh wait, no, no, no. The pastel edit was the original. They, they got a goth edit. They got a goth edit. Okay. With their piercing green eyes. I'm pretty sure I read someone's good like fanfic that said that. I mean, I think. I mean, I do think that's a good description, though. It is. It really is. Uh, there are a lot of descriptions of glowing or glittering or piercing eyes for these creatures. I can imagine. Yeah. And are there are there any? You don't have to answer this because it might be answered later. Are there any descriptions of them having like thousands of eyes? Because no. that would be ah, oh, I'm sorry. It. That's my no. If you were looking for the terrifying like uh, thrones and shit, yeah, yeah, that was in the in the Modron episode. Sorry. Oh damn it! I was hoping we'd get some scary like. We already got our taste of that. We, I was hoping we'd get some scary like thrones level. We're we're gonna get some cool shit though. I okay. promise. All right. It's not all just pretty humans. Pretty winged humans. Um, and then the monadic, monadic devas are milky white with silvery hair and colorless eyes. Their wings are white with a silvery sheen. So what plane did the monadic ones 
The monadic ones are typically employed on the ethereal and elemental planes. Okay, that the ethereal plane kind of explains the colorless eyes. Yeah. So, l- ignoring the the very dark skin and piercing green eyes, we have gold, we have rose gold, and then we have white gold <laughs> or silver. Yeah. Huh. I didn't think about that actually, but I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that that was the inspiration. That's just where I, that, what yeah. I, what I took from that because. So planetars and sol- planetars and solars are described as basically being more powerful devas, with less of them in existence and them having more access to a lot more powers and places to go. Solars, for instance, have access to every plane and simply a ridiculous amount of powers and spells. Hmm. Solars and planetars. What uh, is the difference between them, though? It's literally just like some fucking like I hesitate to say ranking because they are like described as like being distinctly different like peoples, mm-hmm. but it's kind of just a difference in ranking. Okay. Uh, basically, solars are stronger planet planetars. Okay. So and planetars and solars are both more powerful de- devas. So, so solos are like the highest rank, I guess? Yes. Well, actually, at this point, they are the most powerful minions of good in the entire hierarchy, short of the gods they serve. Oh, well, that's nice. Cool. Um, obviously, <laughs> since I said that, that's going to change. Oh, right. There's always, I mean, there's always a... There's always a change. Mm-hmm. But those uh, devas, planetars, and solars are all called Asamon. A A S I M O N. Yeah, so that sounds like something we've all heard. Which mm. is basically the D and D word for angel. So I guess then in that case, Asamar is half angel. It is, yeah. yeah, it's just a variant of a half angel. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean is like Asaman, Asamar is good, good words. Yeah, they know? they're fun to say. Like they, they feel s- good in the mouth. Well, and they feel very like angelic. Yeah. Also, just because, you know, curiosity got the best of me, looking at a Solar's, like, bestiary mm-hmm. entry for 5th edition anyway, mm-hmm. holy shit. Yeah, like I said, they're very powerful. <laughs> like, yeah, they are very powerful. Do not piss one off. <laughs> well, and I guess it, it kind of makes sense, though, that the Solar's would be, like, the more powerful version of, like, a planetar, because it's, like, planet, solar, solar sun, yeah, you know, moment. So, like I said, I'll talk about the more powerful things, but for now, I'll just get into the appearance descriptions, and then we'll start talking about some less powerful celestials. Cool. So, a planetar appears as a tall and powerful humanoid. In material form, the skin is opaline. They are all hairless, including the females. Cool. Um, And their eyes glow blue. Nice. They have double wings... And their double wings are also opaline. <gasps> How many pairs of wings are we going to get up to? Oh, my God. I'm sorry to disappoint. Oh, damn it. Wait, it's just ha- double ha- wings. They have oh. double wings. That's as far as we're getting? That's fine. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, double wings fine. are still pretty cool. Like that's. I mean, that's still pretty dope. But And would still be frightening to see. <laughs> Probably. Uh, the solar skin is the color of molten copper. Hair color is bronze and eyes are glowing topaz. Wow. The form is beautiful and muscular, and the deep, resonant voice of a solar is commanding. The wings are also double and of a coppery gold color. Hot. What? Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah, they do have this celestial beauty to them. Yeah, yeah. and they're buff. 
They are buff. buff Appar- apparently. I mean, they're ready to fight for God. <laughs> oh, which one? God and Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> on my side. <laughs> In 1987, the Manual of the Plains was released, and with it came the Archons. Yeah, those guys. Archons were the primary inhabitants of the Plains Celestia, which at the time was known as the Seven Mountains of Goodness and Law, later the Seven Mountains of Celestia, and more recently, Mount Celestia. (laughs) It went through some minor name changes, but... A little bit. By Princess Celestia. No. (laughs) I'm sorry for that one. Oh, <sighs> I'm sorry. Archons um, start out as spirits of the recently dead lawful good people. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's upward mobility in the yes. seven mountains. See, now you have a reason to be lawfully good. You could become an archon later in life. Mm, I still don't find that to be a compelling enough reason. Well, but whatever. When you start off, the first thing you are is called a lantern archon. And they're called that because they're about three feet in diameter, glowing balls of soft light. That's Same. it. Aw. I mean, that's kind of what, what everybody hmm. is, like, on the inside. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Like, you're not a body that has a soul. You're a soul that has a body. Think about that. Think so, about like, it. if you want to be a glowing ball on the inside, sure. Anyway. So, these specific <laughs> glowing balls of soft light, uh, they're very friendly and eager to help. Aw, that's kind of cute. They have this reputation as being somewhat childlike. Aw. Uh, they're also called proto-archons because... They're the proto-form, yeah. the prototypical. Yeah. Despite literally being the lowest form of celestial, they're quite content with their existence and very loyal to their gods. Also, if they are ever killed, they simply reform within the day. Aw. Jesus. How do you kill a ball of light, though? I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, they also aren't very powerful, and they won't attack, like, unless they're defending themselves. So, like... I mean, see, I said that, and then I was like, this is Dungeons and Dragons. Like, there are ways. There are ways. Just capture it in a bag of holding. <laughs> Aww. Wouldn't probably kill it, but I mean. I mean. You have forever illumination in your bag of holding now. Well, and I mean, like. It's like a firefly in a jar. When the when the barbarian gets jealous of the wizard that can cast dancing lights, oh, they just no. go out and capture a fucking lantern archon. Oh no! Look what I have! Shakes it up and down. Please don't shake me! Oh yeah, they can talk. Oh, <gasps> amazing! Crap. I didn't even think about the fact that they could talk. Navi. Oh, no. It's just Navi. Oh no! Navi is Navi is an archon. Well, a lantern archon, but hey, listen. Hey, listen. Take me out of your bag, please. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry for derailing that. So that's, you're, you're fine. That, that visual is just something. The Lantern Archon is the first, like, step. step. The, bottom, the bottom rung, if you yeah. will. Um, through their incredible devotion and goodness, Lantern Archons increase in power and become promoted and physically transformed into Hound Archons. What? Yeah. Yes. 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 Also, they're like Pokemon. They (laughs) really evolve. Yeah. Uh, Hounds are considered the first true Archons. These are very good boys. (gasps) The hounds serve as guardians, soldiers, and servants. And they keep watch over the lanterns and acted as guides to friendly visitors of Celestia. No. Hound Archons appeared as humans with canine heads (gasps) and were incredibly strong. Furries. Furries do go to heaven. Furries do go to heaven. We've Yay. come full circle, y'all. Yay, hmm. I'm so happy. I wasn't quite uh, aware that this was going to turn into that, but you know what? 
It happened. Not as much as the next episode will. Oh. <gasps> yes. A little bit does of a this, teaser. Does this specify what kind of? Um, it, does, all canine. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any whatever kind canine of canine they want. Hell yeah. yeah. It's whatever kind of dog matches your personality the best. Yes, I approve. Or like that, that like face um, reading thing that was yeah. like, what dog do you look like? That told me I look like a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And I was like. Called out. Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> So they could also transform into any canine at will. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Even if it doesn't match their like face. Right. Canine. They have a shape shifting type ability. Yeah. Shape shift into any dog. <laughs> nice goals. And they could sometimes develop paladin like powers. What? Damn. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't actually know a lot about like paladin powers beyond hit things with weapon. But also I am imagining like a great gray wolf Sif, like Zacian mm-hmm. moment or like a, a Madarasu. Yeah. Just a dog with a fucking sword. I feel like we're going to have to do a paladin episode now. Damn it. We might have to. I'm sorry. Um, as long as I don't have to do it. Additionally, this quote, in the course of my, of, of their adventures, many hound Archon heroes befriend Bronze dragons, which may come to serve as their mounts. Yes! The relationship between these mounts and their celestial riders goes beyond even the special bond between paladin and mount. The yes. dragon and archon are naturally allies and friends, as can be expected for two powerful serv- servants of cosmic justice. Yes! <laughs> Dog person riding a bronze dragon! Yep. What the fuck? Yep. You have this celestial dog person who's already pretty goddamn powerful. Mm-hmm. Who now befriends a bronze dragon and is just like, hey, dude, ride my back. Let's go into battle. No, thank you. <laughs> also, alternatively, going back to the battle dragons that I talked about in the last episode I did, imagine, like, you know, a god that employs battle dragons, but, like, with a. Uh, with one of the, I don't know if yeah. these, like, they exist concurrently, but also. But also. They, there's another option for them. Jesus. That'd be fucking dope. It would. They appeared like they had these metal collars on them. That the metal is actually a mystical manifestation of the Archon's rank within its, sub- within its subsect. Nice. The metal changed types as the Archon progressed in power and goodness. From lead to tin to brass to bronze to silver to gold and finally, platinum. I think they should add adamantine in there. <laughs> that would be one more step in their journey, though, and they, you know, you don't want to put too They already steps. live forever. What the hell does one more step matter to them? Well, see, because... You don't want to hold them back. Once a platinum-level Archon advances again, it transforms into the next subsex lead le- uh, lead level. Nice. Holy shit. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. I take it back. Uh, lanterns <laughs> are the only Archons to be unadorned, by the way. I mean, they're a ball of light, so yeah. it's kind of yeah. hard to wear jewelry when you're a ball of light. Yeah. Although, that would be pretty cool to see this ball of light with, like, this chain just hanging <laughs> off of it. But also, like, what if, that'd be kind of cool if they're, like, color changed. That their would rank be instead. cool. Homebrew! Like, or, like, it's it's literally, like, martial arts. Like, they're a white ball of light, and then they're a yellow ball of light. <laughs> and then finally, at the very end, they're a black ball of light. Oh. Ah, but see, if you're going to go with that route, then, depending on which martial art you're going into, you have several degrees of black belt. After yeah, exactly. That. So then they're, like, a black ball of light with, like, like prominences. Like, stripes or... Like, prominences, yeah. maybe. So, um... <laughs> Stupid. In this case of advancing, a uh, platinum-level hound archon turns into a warden archon with lead accoutrements. 
Nice. Uh, what is a warden? Warden archons resemble massive, ogre-sized anthropomorphic bears <laughs> with white, silvery, or golden fur and dexterous paw hands. No. That extended into razor-sharp black claws. No. I had a thought just now. Mm-hmm. Was it a was it a warden archon? Was it the a, description of the warden warden archon mm-hmm. just made me think of another yeah adventure. I had podcast that thought too. Where one of them gets trained by a bear on one of the oh yeah numerous oh yeah that's right. Well, I don't know why for some reason all I could think of was Clark. <laughs> Clark! Even though he's, he's a bugbear, he's not a bear. Love Clark. Despite their, you know, full play armor and their battle-ready appearance, they abhorred fighting for, like, oh, fight, like... Just because. Yeah, like, they, like, not like they hated tussling the or anything. Justified fighting is pretty much what they go for. They're not going to fight unless there's a good reason. reason. Yeah. And they <laughs> were gentle giants with great intelligence. Oh, man, Mm. I'm on to you, Griffin McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't necessarily. That's not what I'm thinking. So they were adorned with that mystical soul metal that uh, in the <gasps> forms of collars and bracers. They remind me of the, nice. the bears from His Dark Materials. Oh, yeah. How they had their, their armor that was, like, really special to yeah. them. His Dark Materials? E- yeah, the Golden Compass. I never mm. actually watched it. I think you would... It was originally a book. I think you would actually like it. I never it. read well, it either, but... Anyway, that's what that reminds okay. me of. Well, see me. Somebody see me. Yes, I see you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure like 90% of our listeners see you too. Yeah, they probably do. I just do. don't watch movies or read that many books. So. That, that wasn't a particularly esoteric reference, but <laughs> I just... I need to feel seen. Uh, so they, they could communicate both telepathically and normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, wardens served as watchers for Celestia... Guarding the gates between the layers and portals between planes. Nice. They there was this little descriptor of uh, sometimes lanterns would get lost and like try and go into the upper planes and they would like guide Aww. them back down. Aww. That's cute. They're like no no little friend that way. Yeah. They also observed the affairs of the material plane through great magical scrying pools. Nice. Okay. It suggested that since they observed the lives of mortals, they were more likely to fall than any other type of archon. Oh, I think that was a... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I I was just going to say more on that later. Oh, okay. Because I I think that's like a note of like the the hierarchy of like actual angels Mm -hmm. is that there's one a little higher up than just like personal angels Mm -hmm. that's the most likely to fall because of that. I think that's a thing based on like real angels. Anyway... Oh, no, you're, you're good. Um, so, for some reason, Warden Archons weren't included with several other types of Archons in 3rd and 3.5 Editions Monster Manual. They were afraid. But they were re-released in, uh, for 3.5 in 2003's Book of Exalted Deeds, which detailed good creatures, basically. Okay. We're going to talk about what Warden Archons turn into, but first... Let's go take a quick break. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm I'm so into I didn't realize this was gonna get so furry. Yeah, it's only gonna get furrier. Hell yeah. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to our episode on Celestials. Well, 
Part one. Part one of, of an ongoing saga. I'll let you know when I know. Of however many. We'll, we'll figure it out. One yeah. Of, at least two. At least two, for sure. Uh, I'll be honest, at least three, oh, since we're going to go, go, well... We'll see. If Infernals is its own thing. Anyways, point is, if you like this, first of all, thank you. Second of all, uh, please con- consider contributing to our Patreon at Dungeonpedia. We realized that it was not searchable. We fixed that, so now it is searchable. Hopefully. Oh, no, oh, it's searchable. It is. I okay. made sure. Yeah, uh, apparently we were unsearchable for this entire time, so if you have tried to find us and couldn't and thought we were liars, we weren't. It's just we... Stupid. ...didn't set it up right, and <laughs> you could only access it through the direct link rather than searching, but that has See, been fixed. when it comes to, like, money, people usually do the opposite, where they're like... Here's a place you can give us money, but they lie about what they need it for. Yeah. But we're like, hey, you can give us money if you want, but we don't actually provide a way for you to do that. <laughs> and then you're just like, how? Why? Yeah, we just kind of didn't know until Anthony thank pointed you. it out to us. Thank you, Anthony. So helping us once again with that one. Anyways, thank you. Uh, let's see. If you're interested, we have our new actual play podcast out. It's not that new, but... Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know at what point it's considered old. Old, like yeah, old or just our, our second concurrent podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure at what point we're going to consider that uh, after this right, episode, right okay. now, right this very second. So I've been I've been corrected this very second. It is no longer new. It's now no, old. It, it was new when you said it, but now it's now it's not. old. Yeah. Hmm. And anyway, it's called Projectile Dysfunction. There are updates at the Twitter page there, which is at ProjectileCast. Go there. You can get more of the lovely information. For Dungeonpedia information and content, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at Dungeonpedia. You can also email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Get that good, good content. Yeah. Get yeah. At, may, mayhaps request us some new content. <laughs> You know, that or, is like the weirdest way to phrase that. Yeah. I liked it though. I didn't, it's as awkward as the rest of this ad break. I didn't. I didn't run that through the the third filter that I usually do. That awkward also, filter. Yeah, I forget that one a lot. I don't know yeah. if y'all have noticed. Uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to get notifications when we post new updates, so you're not having to wait for us to post on our social media. And also, while you're there, if the platform allows it, you can rate us and give us a review. That helps us out greatly, as we have said previously. But also, spread the word. Yeah, that really helps us out. It really yeah, does. A like whole, a whole lot. We can like literally see the upward trend whenever people shout us out. It's it's heartwarming and humbling, and makes me want to cry. I, yeah, I do cry every time. Yes, it is amazing. So spread spread the word, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you want, I suppose. Yeah. Also, thank you to Alexander Nakarada for the use of our theme song, Blacksmith. Very good song. A plus. A+. Thank you, Alexander Nakarada. And we are done with this awkward... <laughs> Whatever the fuck <laughs> Intermission. Is. Intermission. Back to heaven. Um, well... The nine layers of? Seven. 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 But wow. hell's that hell has nine layers. We haven't got there yet. It's all awkward. We're just going to keep going through. Okay. okay. We've, we've already had a cute, happy ball of light mm-hmm. and a literal dog person. And now, like, 
an anthropomorphic, like, nice bear person. How can we, like, improve on that? So I'm going to lift you up. Oh, no. And then I'm going to bring you back down. No. Oh, damn it. But then I'll, I'll lift you up some more. Okay. It, it, it'll be a roller coaster. You're it's just, fine. Okay. All right. You know, I like roller coasters, but... I don't. I hate I them. I mean, you probably won't care either way because you're not too into the furry aesthetic right now. I mean, I mean you, say, you say right now. Like, I'm not always... <laughs> Um, so, Warden Archons eventually progress to become Sword Archons. Sword Archons? Sword Archons. Are they just a sword? No. Oh, damn. That, that would be, be cool as fuck. That would be say, pretty awesome, yeah. Just, like, a fucking, oh my god. Just a amazing. floating angelic sword. So, Sword Archon's appearance has had the most variation from edition to edition. Mm-hmm. In first edition, they're described as being radiant humans with feathery wings and the heads of lions and other great cats. Okay, that's the that's dope, yeah. That is pretty cool. In second edition, they're said to be ordinary humans except with no arms and wings in their place and an ordinary human head with silvery hair. So kind of like harp harp kind of like harpies, yeah. Which I mean like okay, still pretty with it. But also vastly different from the original previous, the yeah. first edition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Third and 3.5, again, make no mention of them until Book of Exalted Deeds, where they resemble 10-foot-tall, handsome, that was literally the word, humans with massive, beautiful feathered wings. They have regular human arms, except when they're engaging in, in combat, when they shapeshift their forearms into flaming long swords. <laughs> Hell yeah. What? Oh, God. Look up. Sword Archons. Just do it. Okay. All right. All right, uh, all right. Unless to... you're driving, don't do it. Just take in my beautiful word picture. Flaming long swords, huh? Holy shit. I am a little a little slower on this because I keep... Holy shit! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. I, I lifted you up, I let you down, and I lifted you back up again. That... Uh, yeah. <gasps> oh, I just saw a spoiler for something I think is going to come later. Heck. So, <laughs> sword archons are Celestia's uh, generals and messengers, basically. Okay, so they're the... Well, okay, my, my first thought was that they kind of... I'm sorry for all of my references. They reminded me of, like, the archangel, like characters like uh, yeah no uriel and gabriel yeah that's literally the image shin megami tensei where they're like these big people (laughs) so like they're people but they're like big (laughs) and then you hit me with flaming swords and And i was like oh but not always not always only sometimes At this point, first edition skips to the Tome Archons. Like, it says that it goes Sword Archons and then Tome Archons. Mm -hmm. But we're going to skip around because second, third, and 3.5 editions give us a lot of cool stuff that would make more sense to fill in here based on hierarchy. Okay. Okay, so following the hierarchy, what is after the Sword Archon? So, a Sword Archon can be specifically chosen and promoted to a Trumpet Archon. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Okay. Trumpet archons resemble winged elves carrying silver trumpets who act as messengers and heralds for the gods and higher tier archons. Yes! They also have a very dangerous task of escorting a soul back to their body if resurrected. Yes! Yeah. That's so cool. It's also funny because you said that they look like winged elves, Mm -hmm. but also like winged elves exist. It it actually does in second edition make mention of that fact. Oh, shit. That they resemble 
uh, Averell's. Yeah, yeah. yeah Averell's. So, and uh, this might end up just being part of like another episode or something, but does it mention specifically why that's a dangerous task? It didn't in anything I saw. If I had to guess, it's probably because of all of the various, just from other things that we've talked about in the past with regards to the souls of the dead, various other entities wanting control over that soul, wanting to consume the soul or keep it as a slave or anything. And you're basically taking that soul out of its safety Mm -hmm. within the realm of its what has been its home plane where it was like basically laid to rest Mm -hmm. and taking it through the transitive planes where it could be attacked and swiped away. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Kellenvor just rings up like, uh, what's his name? Corellin or like Muhammad or somebody. And is like, Hey, (laughs) listen, I know you're a real nice guy and all, but can you can you stop letting your angels resurrect people or bring their souls back? Okay, so they're messengers and soul deliverers. Basically, yeah. They're escorts. Wait. Moving right along. A different, a different kind. Because this is so dangerous for the trumpet archons, uh, they often advance quickly to the next level of ascension. <laughs> but back to those sword archons. Okay. <laughs> sword archons who are not chosen to become trumpets do still advance. Oh, so it's like a split. Yeah. Nice. They become throne archons. Okay, yeah, that was what I saw, and it got me excited. Throne even though Throne archons. It doesn't look like a throne angel. Yeah. That was the 10,000 eyes thing that I mentioned. Throne archons are towering regal figures that have fair hair, flawless golden skin, Glowing blue eyes that fill you with love and warmth. They also didn't have wings. They could fly by belief alone. <laughs> That's such nice. a fun way to put mm-hmm. that. So, Peter Pan? Hmm. Yes, a little bit. Interesting. <laughs> like, similar, yeah. I guess. Also, I think that contrast is, like, really funny. Because, mm-hmm. like, the thrones and, like, the Bible were so, like, freaky. Mm-hmm. That they had to be, like, be not afraid. Yeah. Because, like, you were afraid when you looked at it. But in this case, you you look at a throne archon and you're like, ah. Oh, well, don't worry. Because it's still scary. Because they're, like, 14 feet tall. Oh, I mean, that's not scary to me. Fair. No, that's pretty scary to me. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, and, like, people live in a world where there's, like, giants. True. So, like. Yeah, but a a giant doesn't fly. They wear, also wear (laughs) ornate gold full plate armor. So, like. Also that. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, I feel like like a throne archon might roll up and you're just like, what did I do? Like, don't get me wrong. If a storm giant suddenly started flying, I would be hella scared, too. But they don't. (laughs) Under normal circumstances, fly. That's true. Yeah. So, throne archons serve as rulers of the towns and cities of Celestia. They rarely leave their realms and are wholly devoted to their work. So, they're like the governors. Yeah, and they also serve as judges Hmm. when the time is necessary. Hmm. That feels like somebody else in that town should have that job, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, From here, it gets a little complicated. Okay. Up until 3rd slash 3.5, Tome Archons were a rank below the Asamons previously mentioned, the Devas, the Planetars, and the Solars. Okay. Um, Tome Archons were very tall, winged humanoids, and had the heads of hawks and sometimes owls. Nice. Pretty cool. 
They are fully armed at all times as a reminder that they are the defenders of Celestia. And there are seven of them. <laughs> Good number for that, yeah. Collectively called the Celestial Hebdomad. And each one rules over the seven layers of Celestia. Okay, so there are only seven ever in existence, like at a time? Yeah, the only time there's a promotion is when one of them dies in... Or advances. Or advances. So that's yeah. very much a Modron. Yeah. yeah, it's like there's only this set amount, and then yeah. when one dies or... Is promoted, they need to be replaced. And they're probably just kind of just immediately... Yeah, somebody's moving So up. all that's fine. Okay. Except as rulers, their next step is literally back to being a warrior. Huh? Yeah. Um. Also, it... Somewhat negates the whole advancing through as your soul becomes more pure and devoted. The hierarchy literally stops making sense. Because the next step in this case for both Tome Archon and the Trumpet Archons is the Ag- Agathanon. Okay. Uh, it's the lowest tier of Asamon. They're literally the only Asamon warrior. I mean, that kind of... Okay, it doesn't... Like, don't get me wrong. They're powerful. Mm-hmm. At home, they look like elves with opalescent skin and shining eyes. And elsewhere, an Agathanon assumes any other form at will. Nice. Any form. Animate or otherwise. Hmm. Cool. They're basically described as the Celestial Plains elite troops. I mean, that... Here's the thing. When, when you consider it as being like... That doesn't actually not make sense to me. Well, so... Agathanon do not advance further upward. As the ultimate warrior for the forces of good, there's nowhere to go. Only one supplement, Warriors of Heaven, describes Asamon on a whole as advancing, like up. Mm-hmm. All other sources kind of consider Davis to be equal. And it's unknown to me at this point if a Deva could be, ever become a planetar or a solar. Okay, so it's like... So uh, an Agathanon could never, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Could never advance to being some other kind of Asamon. Right. So it's not like the end goal of this is to be a Solar. Right. Oh, so it's like, it's like you work really hard at your job Mm -hmm. and then you get to the highest of like one department that's considered worse or less important than another department. And then you finally get transferred to that department, but you're stuck at the bottom forever. Yeah, you cannot move up. That's never happened to anyone I know. So the thing is, the Agathanon makes sense to me as an end goal for a trumpet archon. Like, you you become this warrior, mm-hmm. and your next step is the ultimate warrior, basically, whose life is dedicated mm-hmm. to... Protecting your home. Well, Tome Archons were like the governors, right? Were they? Um, the Throne Archons. Throne were, Archons were like the were. governors. Um, the Tome Archons were the seven rulers. Oh. And they're... Yeah. Yeah. The, mm, yeah. Hmm. It's not the throne going to Agathanon. That wouldn't make sense to me either, but, but it would make more sense than the Tome. Because it, you mentioned that they're like perpetually... Yeah. Like armored because they're like the defenders. Yeah. They're literally, like, and each one rules over, like, a layer of Celestia. There are some fixes to this. If you, too, have a problem with this, like I do. I guess it's like the, you know, would would rather, like, well, the, the, is the opposite, and it's not exactly relevant, but it's like, you know, I'd rather serve in heaven than rule in hell, or vice versa, I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. So it's like, I'd rather rule in Celestia than fight in 
the Agathanon army. <laughs> but some people might view it as the other, you and, know. You know, because you could is, get promoted through all of it. Because one is technically better. Anyway. Okay, well. Fix it. 3.5 gives us celestial paragons. Celestial paragons are the highest servants of the deities. They are the good equivalent of the archfiends in the lower planes. Okay, what about the... Uh, Don't worry, I'll get there. Okay. This is called the C- Celestial Heptomat. It's the group I mentioned earlier for from the um, the uh, Tome Archons. They're called the Celestial Heptomad. Nice. So now the Celestial Heptomad is Celestial Paragons. Mm-hmm. So the Tome Archons basically don't exist anymore. Okay. So- what happens now is you when you go to Throne Archon, that's kind of where you sit. You've kind of, if you didn't, didn't take the warrior path and you took the political, wor- path. political path, you sit as Throne Archon until a position opens up for one of the seven rulership positions, Aww. basically. Hey, I mean, you know, that's but, all right for some people. And yeah, some and that's angels. the thing, is it, it feels like a, a stop and a potential place for an advancement, but a comfortable stopping point. Excuse me, a comfortable stopping point. I mean, I'd probably rather do that than be a warrior, so. And then the only gr- uh, type of Archon that advances into the Agathanon are the Trumpet uh, okay. Archons. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like this time, instead of somebody puzzling over, like, equations, I'm, like, puzzling over, like, a chart. That it's, like, you know, if if A, then go to, like, 2A. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I do want to read this description on the Celestial Paragons. In the days of creation, when the multiverse still quaked with the aftershocks of birth, it's still such bad. Like, it, it's good imagery, but it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it could be worse. The seven mounting heavens of Celestia wa- awaited the mortal souls who would protect and guide the plane as the first archons. Seven blessed martyrs who had sacrificed themselves to the cause of law and goodness emerged upon the young plane with powerful and unique forms, a mandate from Celestia itself that these beings would serve the seven heavens as their immortal rulers. The seven martyrs, or their successors, together formed the Celestial Hebdomad, the ruling council of heaven. Similar to the strict hierarchy that rules the nine hells, the Hebdomad governs the affairs of their home plane, supervising the archons beneath them, marshalling the celestial armies when necessary, and leading troops to war against the forces of evil. When Zafkiel, their head, so commands. Nice. I like the E-L. Yeah. In the name. That's delicious. <laughs> so, like Asmodeus, Zafkiel is an ancient ruler shrouded in mystery. So, he is wrapped in radiant light and bathed in holy power. <laughs> I kind of get, like, head of... Um, Archangels kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is the only one of the original seven martyrs who remains in his position. His original six fellow martyrs have all perished in the eons since their establishment. That sucks. It does. That super sucks the nice. So, the others are throne archons that have been promoted to that rank. So, is the ruling council in the Nine Hells the uh, Celestial Renegades? Oh my god. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, well, just wanted to check. I know we're not to, to that part yet, and we're going to be on Celestials for a little while, but I just want to check and make sure. Um, most scholars believe that Zav- Zavkael alone can promote another Archon to the Heptomad. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the current Hebdomad all includes Barashiel, the messenger, which is the ruler of Lunia, Domael, the mercy bringer, ruler of Mercush- Mercuria, and he took over after the Time of Troubles. Nice. Lots of people getting shifted around. Yeah, his predecessor had passed. Rip. Um, Erthael, the seer, ruler of Venya. <sighs> Pistis Sophia, the ascetic, ruler of Solania. Okay, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> Raziel, the crusader, ruler of Mertitian. Mer- Mer- what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sealtiel, the defender, ruler of Jovar. And Zavkiel, the Watcher, ruler of Cronius, and leader of the Hebdomad. Oh man, those angel names. I fucking love angel names. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. So, as I mentioned previously, Archons can fall. And yeah, just like gods. Yes. So, if they Wait, fail... what? Like fall, like in a dying sense, or a Lucifer sense? Kind of in a Lucifer sense. Hell yes. Hell yes. So, there are two types of falls for an Archon. Mm-hmm. Archons who become, who show signs of evil are banished from Mount Celestia to the Prime or Sigil or basically anywhere other than there. Yeah. They're not because... welcome on the upper planes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, at those, that point, they literally keep their forms, but they don't have access to their, like, godlike power, their god-given powers. Mm-hmm. And they're just... Fallen Archons. Cool. However, Archons that show signs of chaos become Asuras. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was wondering if they would make their way into this. Yeah. So Asuras are basically good messenger spirits in service to chaotic deities. And they were kind of in competition with devas. They are a symbol of goodness and light. And uh, they have often appeared on the material plane in contrast to most of the other devas, mm-hmm. uh, by helping mystics and chaotic faithful. Yeah, which I think, don't quote me on this, might be a little bit of a contrast to how Asuras and uh, devas are actually um, portrayed in the real world. I don't know about that. I didn't look at that. I think. Don't quote me on that. But Asuras and devas do have like association with each other in the same faith in the real world. Um, which and- is why I was wondering if they would come yeah. into play. And they're really interesting, honestly. I wish that there was a lot more information about them for D&D. Um, but, like, this descriptor of an Asura resembles a human with marble pale skin and huge red ring- red wings, which are made out of fire. <laughs> nice. Their feet are ba- basically eagle claws, and they wear loose togas. Nice. <laughs> Specifically loose togas. Yeah. Specifically. You, I mean, you, you can't wear them too tight, you know? Exactly. Uh, the other type of fall is not really a fall as much as a banishment. Um, it's specifically the wardens and stuff that are more prone to this type. It's mm-hmm. the ones who interfere too closely with the affairs of primes. Yeah. These are actually the ones that were originally credited with creating the race of Osimar. <gasps> Ooh. Because after they were banished, they went and fucked people, fucked people <laughs> and had a bunch of babies that were half, which you is know, angel creature, has celestial. Interesting, because Osimar are well are welcome among the upper planes, but you know their ancestors are not. I mean that 
I mean, I think it's good. I don't think it's, like, hypocritical or anything. I think Mm -hmm. it's good. Well, I think that's also very much like when you really hate your kid, but, like, you want to see your grandkids. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, a little bit, yeah. You don't don't actually hold any ill will towards (laughs) towards them, despite their parents' um, transgressions. That's Hmm. a very strong (laughs) word to use for the usual real-life situations. Yeah. But that's what that, like, makes me think of. And I feel like that's kind of nice, because I feel like you get a lot of um, things in D&D that happen that's, like, an entire bloodline gets cursed or, like, something like that. I feel like it's a little nice that it seems like in the Upper Plains they realize that whatever happened in their lineage is not an individual Asimar's fault. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just because, like, you're... Great great grandfather, whatever was a fallen bear person. Bear person doesn't mean that <laughs> You're we're bad. gonna banish you from here too. Yeah. That wasn't your fault. They were just an idiot. Yeah. So real quick, because this is pretty much uh, this is wrapped up. This episode is nice wrapped in a bow. I want to talk about a little bit about what we're well, we still have to come. I'm still trying to organize the notes and figure out exactly mm-hmm. how it's gonna go. But sneak peek. There are two other big groups of celestials, other than the ones that we just got through, the angel types, basically. Mm-hmm. They are the Gardenals, which are animal-featured guardians, and they are neutral good, and they are native to the house of nature and nature-based planes. Nice. So, those specific... Mm. What? Just nature-based planes. That'll be interesting. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of interesting phrases. Nature-based planes, animal featured. There's a lot of buzzwords. Yeah. It, 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 you're, you guys are going to like this. I'm excited. Um, and you will particularly oh. be excited because there's a lot of Latin names that <gasps> get brought in. Yeah. Yay. And then also to come are Celestial Eladrin, which are, as Lewin mentioned in her elf episode, Lewin. What? What's the Eldrin? They are a race of chaotic good celestials. Yeah, they're different than the lawful good. Well, and what you what you think what some people may think of when they think of Eldrin. Yeah, it's as different. far as like a playable race. Eldrin. Yeah, this yeah. is more like they're not Lefira. They they have a lot more in con- in common with the celestial paragons than, than elves. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that was something I wasn't aware of to see, so that'll also be interesting. But also, eventually, we will get to Infernals, but let's uh, keep enjoying the light while we still have it. Yep. I don't know. I kind of like Infernals, though. Yeah. Like. Okay, I, y'all, I want to <laughs> get to Infernals so bad, just bear with me. Well, here's here's a great thing you can do. You can just do one part of an episode, and then <laughs> just go straight to something else the next time and never fucking address it. I'm really trying not to do that, so no. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. That's an option. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm saying you can. No, don't do that, because we need to learn more about the Celestials, and then we can go to the Infernals and see how different and or similar their hierarchy is. I'm actually enjoying the level of similarities, I feel like, in how strictly hierarchy-based they both are. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know, there's, there's layers, and I'm into it. Two sides of a coin. Oh, shit. But that's all the information I've got this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, this is uh, 
This is uh, this is great. I fucking love angels. <laughs> I love angels and I love like hierarchies. Lewin like structure. See, I, I which is ironic because I don't know so much about how much I love hierarchies, but celestials have always been an interesting. Lore wise, you have to admit hierarchies are interesting though. Yeah, I like. Oh yeah, when, absolutely. I like when everything like fits neatly. Fits neatly, and it's like this is this, and it's called this really cool sounding. Except name. there was that one small little part where it didn't fit neatly, and it made no fucking sense. Yeah, but three point yeah. five fixed it. <laughs> kind of. I think it fixed it. Honestly, I'm yeah, really happy yes. with how it ended. See, I say, I say, kind of, but yeah, I think it they fixed it in a way that made sense. At least they came in and fixed it, and it made sense in the end. And it wasn't still like they sort of fixed it. They fixed it by just like duct taping something around it. I was like, yeah, good enough. I don't know. I like the way it. <clears throat> yeah, it, it got I, fixed. I do feel like it, it worked out, but yeah. Damn is, it. This has been you for for as much as I like make jokes about you know not. Not being with really like lawful stuff. I'm actually really into this. Good, good. Don't worry, we'll be getting into the more neutral and chaotic elements later. Hell yeah. And now I'm thinking about doing a paladin episode. You'll kill Lewin. I mean, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine. We need to learn about paladins at this point. We do, especially since Lewin just said that she <laughs> didn't know what paladins do. I really don't know that much about what they do, but they make oaths. And then they break them sometimes. Oh, no. I know sometimes. that. But yeah, this is, it, I, it's mostly a joke about me hating paladins. Mostly. mostly. Anyway. Don't forget to follow us on our various social media platforms. Yeah, and uh, email us any episode suggestions that you may have, or really anything, at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. You can also email us to bully Lewin into doing her Elves Part 2 episode. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I can't read. While you're doing that, though, I'll don't forget to, to uh, <laughs> spread the uh, word to your friends as you're typing up that email. Tell your friends who are into angelology, which I didn't realize was a real word. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. demonology. But I... What? Demonology's real, too? <laughs> what the heck? And while Luan is learning how to read, please send those emails to her. Yes. It'll help her read. <laughs> It'll be good practice. Other than that... Thank you all once again for listening, and we'll catch you next week, where uh, apparently we had a sneak peek of more dragons to be talked about. Yeah. Right here on Dungeonpedia. I didn't know that furries went to heaven. I'm actually really glad. Good for them. It's, it's good information to know. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>